That's better. Now we've got to uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 15 to 25. And it's from the NIV version. Brothers and sisters, that's us. Let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. We are his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are, hallelujah, no longer under a guardian. Amen. Thank you, Father. We give a praise for... Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes. Your word brings light, Lord. We receive your light this morning and receive the power that comes with your word. In Jesus' name. Today we'll be talking about, um, about the law. What about the law? Why law? Now, from what Tony just read... One of the points that was clear was the fact that the law was a tutor waiting for when the promise would come. 
for us to kind of contextualize it, we take it back to the Galatian church, a bit of history. The Galatian church started when Paul spoke to them so that they came, the Gentiles came to know God. And after knowing God, 18 months after or so, when Paul had left, some people came to them and said, look, what Paul said was wrong. What Paul told them is, look, you don't need anything about the law, about the festivity, about all of this again. Christ has come. Jesus, with nothing, gives you everything. That was the message Paul gave to them. But the Jewish religion came up with something else. To say, look, what we have, for you to be a devout man, for you to be a devout Christian, you must obey what we have. You've got to be baptized. You've got to have been circumcised. You need to obey the laws, the Mosaic laws. And you also need to obey the sacrifices that you have to do all of that. So we're not saying Paul was wrong, but in addition to all of these, Jesus comes. And Paul said no. And that was how this discussion got in chapter 3. The discussion got to the point of, so what about the law? For us to understand the law, we have to go back to Genesis. Because the point of the law was sin. There would have been no point for the law except for what happened in Genesis. So in the beginning, God, chapter 1. And it kept moving. In chapter 2, he created man. By the time you get to, towards the end of chapter 2, God said, man, sleep. Anesthetize the man because I'm about to do something. Then he brought out the woman. But when God created man, he told him, look at that tree there, don't touch it. But when the woman came, the woman gave the man the fruits to eat. The woman gave the man the fruit to eat. Help us, God. <laughs> you know, and yet, at that point, they realized who they were. And what they did was to say they're not hiding from God. That was the start. That was sin. That was when sin came to the world. And the Bible made it clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for all have sinned. Past tense. For all have sinned. It happened way back there in Genesis. All have sinned. But it didn't stop there in Romans 3. We went on to say, by righteousness, I'll come back to that later on. Now, sin happened. And God wanted a way out for us. What did he do? If you read the Pentateuch, the five books of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Deuteronomy, Number, Leviticus, and uh, Exodus, thank you. You know these things. You will see that the laws were well laid out in the Pentateuch. Now, that law is the same law that we have seen, which is to cover our sins, which is to cover the sin 
that they had at that time. So now I've been able to sort out sin and where law came in. Then the next thing is, what is the law? So what is the law? The Bible says, without the law, there will be no sin in Romans. So I wouldn't know if I have sinned if there was no law. So if I take your stuff, and there's nothing that tells me not to steal, I'll go scot-free. So the law is a mirror. And I like what D.L. Moody said. Um, in one of, the, one of the things I saw when I was while studying for this, D.L. Moody wrote something. He says, the law is a mirror to show us who we are, but cannot wash yourself with a mirror. The law is just a mirror, only reveals our condition. It does not clean. And that place that uh, Tony just read in Genesis, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, we've been able to bring it together. The law is just a mirror. The law is just, it shows me what I've done wrong. Let's use it some more. By the time you get to Romans chapter 8 from verse 1, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It says, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak, God did. When he brought Jesus onto the scene to die. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, I've not come to condemn the law. I've come to fulfill it, to fulfill the law and the prophet. Of course, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, he says, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So please tell your neighbor that the law is not bad. Tell them again, the law is weak. And that is where we find it. The law is very weak. It's not bad. What is bad is the sin. And Jesus is the solution to the sin. And that was why he came. Every man is a man of one purpose. The Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest, that he might destroy the work of the flesh. One reason. And Jesus did that at the cross. So why the works? Why are you joining things with works? Why do you think your, your good, your goodness will do it for you? He's not going to do it. You don't need it. So how do we respond to all of this? The law is weak. Sin is bad. Christ died for our sin. How do we mix all of this together? What is our response to it? Our response is that of faith. 
trusting in what God has said, trusting in what Jesus did. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, nevertheless, I do what? I live. He says, the life that I live is not mine, but that of the Lord Jesus who died for my sin. I am crucified with him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He that knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might be made the righteousness of God. The Bible says Christ became the propitiation for our sin. He who knew no sin. So that the plan of God is sufficient and is working. It did the job. So what is our response to this? The first thing is our faith. Trusting in what God has said. The second is to go to the place where God has put us. We are spiritual beings. To live the life of the spirit. It says for the law of the, of the, of the life in Christ Jesus has set us free. There is a law of the life in Christ Jesus that sets free. And just for us to live in that life, in that light, that is our response to it. I don't want to talk too much. I want us to experience that again. So I'm going to invite us to just stand up and uh, lean on God. already during our singing and uh, when Barney was sharing earlier on, but actually let's just press in a little bit more to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive what Jesus has done. So can I just invite you just to give all of your attention now just to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We are so hungry for you. We want more of you. We know that when we are in you, <laughs> that when you reveal yourself more and more, we, we are changed in your presence. And that's what we want. We want you to transform us. So Holy Spirit, come now. Begin to minister one to another. You're the potter. We're the clay. We want to be molded by you. We want a living, transformed life <laughs> that reveals more and more of who you are. So just come. Just come. <laughs> 